I want to thank our sponsors, Athletic Greens, who created AG1, one of the most innovative packets of supplements, including 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. These ingredients support your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. I personally started using Athletic Greens and love the way I feel in the morning after I drink it. And I no longer have energy crashes throughout the day. And the best part is that it's delicious. The founder of Athletic Greens created AG1 because he experienced a ton of gut health and ended up on a complicated and expensive supplement routine to recover. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash yasmine. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash yasmine, Y-A-S-M-E-E-N, to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Hi, my name is Yasmin Tarehi, and this is Gateways to Awakening, where we host one-on-one conversations with leading experts in wellness, well-being, and spirituality. Today's episode is about how to heal your body through Ayurvedic wisdom with Dr. Vatsala Sperling, MS, PhD. She was the chief of clinical microbiology services at a children's hospital in Chennai, India, when she published extensively and conducted research with the WHO in Denmark. On moving to the U.S. to start a family, Vatsala pursued an education in homeopathy with Misha Norland School. She's the author of 10 books, including her latest, The Ayurvedic Reset Diet. So welcome to the show, Vatsala. Thank you, Yasmin. What a pleasure it is to be in the show and hear your very lovely voice. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Uh, So to kick it off, uh, what does the word Ayurvedic mean? Uh, According to the dictionary, it simply means anything pertaining to or related to Ayurveda. Mm. Okay. And what is Ayurveda for people that may be listening um, and hearing this word for the first time? Uh, Ayurveda is a science of wellness uh, based in the ancient traditions in India. And it goes back many, many thousands of years. It was uh, It actually predates the times when Ramayana and Mahabharata were actually happening in India. And it it predates uh, much of the Indian history. So it is a branch of Veda itself. And Vedas are sacred texts, four in number, that have been handed down to Indian culture from, from the antiquity. Ayurveda is a part of that conglomeration, so to speak, and it essentially handles healthy living, uh, healthy eating, how to maintain the wellness and health of your body, mind, and spirit by diet, by exercise, by positive state of mind. And then it also goes into an elaborate system of herbal medicine and surgery. 
So it's a complete health system in its own right. So it's pretty comprehensive um, and we can kind of talk about it in a, a variety of directions. I'd love to talk about um, what it actually means to kind of live and eat with the seasons um, and how the Ayurvedic principles play out with that. Um, I'll give you one little example. Um, availability of ice creams in the gas stations. Okay. Now, gas stations are a eternal presence in the American landscape. Everywhere you turn, there has to be a gas station. And the gas station will have a little dispenser for softies. Mm -hmm. Now, now I, I originally have lived in Vermont. I still live there. In the peak of winter, where the, when there was like three feet of snow on the ground, I saw a couple coming to the gas station to fill up gas. That is a normal sighting. People come to the gas station to fill up gas. Then one of them got off the car, went to the uh, dispenser where the softies are dispensed and got herself a monster, like eight inch tall, <laughs> uh -huh. very nice looking, decorated with little chocolate flecks and all that, one for her and one for her companion. And the temperature outside is almost 30 below zero, peak of winter. Uh, when I saw that, I almost freaked out. Uh -huh. I said, it doesn't compute. It's peak of winter. Why are you eating ice cream, which is so cold? So uh, you see the uh, how it doesn't sit well. So on thinking more about it, how I was raised back in India, we ate according to the season. There is a time for cold drinks and fruit juices with little cubes of ice, but in the peak of summer, not in the middle of winter. Mm -hmm. And in peak of winter, we would go for warming food, warming soups and teas and so on. That's what I mean by eating according to the season. Go with what fruits and vegetables and food is available in that season and not try to eat what is available in another season. Mm. So fascinating. I love the ice cream analogy. And so, um, you know, maybe we can also talk about mm -hmm. the doshas uh, because I think a lot of people, you know, have very different um, kind of understandings of what they should be eating based on their body type. Uh, so I think that's, to me, that was really fascinating when I learned my own body type and and the foods that just I always thought were you know, not foods that I really liked, but foods that were really important. So maybe we could talk about the three dosha body types and how you can also assess which body type you are. Uh, I will go to that in a while. Mm -hmm. uh, but I just want to tell you one more thing, Yasmin. Okay. Um, you know, uh, we can think about how is it that um, we have lost our connection with seasonality when we choose our food? Mm -hmm. uh, oh, how come we were, uh, this couple was driven to the ice cream cone in the middle of winter? What is that phenomenon? I definitely want to talk to your listeners about that. Okay. Mm -hmm. It begins with industrialization of food and year-long availability of uh, food, which is not particularly in a particular season. Mm -hmm. So you go to a typical supermarket 
you have apple seer round, potato seer round, watermelon seer round, everything was available 12 months in a year. As a result, people are not very clear anymore that watermelon is a summer fruit. Mm, mango is yeah. summer fruit. You do not eat mangoes in the winter. You do not eat watermelons in the winter. Mm-hmm. So, and also think about the packaging of the food that goes on. So our food has been so industrialized. You can say it is because of the industrial revolution, agricultural revolution, a mass production of uh, grains and vegetables and meats and dairies and packaging in the industries. As a result, our abundance has uh, asked us to leave, lose our connection with the natural cycles and seasons that is actually possible. Mm-hmm. As a result, we just go to the supermarket, buy what is whatever is displayed, and that's that. We are not thinking about season. So industrialized sources of food are a big contributor. Industrialization of food is a big contributor to our loss of connection with the seasonality of food. Of food. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like we need to eat with a little bit more intentionality around what is actually growing around us. And I think a lot of people just don't know, right? Because we're not tending our own gardens. And so it actually does require some level of education. Um, And and so- A little bit of awareness too. (laughs) Yes, yes, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Um, So I'd love to talk a little bit about the major principles of the- Ayurvedic reset diet, and then from there, talk a little bit about the doshas. Yes, sure. Mm -hmm. So uh, in the very beginning, I would want to clarify with you that in my book, I have given very clear-cut techniques about how to go on with a reset of your body using food as medicine. Mm -hmm. That is the main theme of this book, how to use your own food as your own medicine. Mm -hmm. And the techniques are so clearly laid out that people can pick up the book and start working on it, no problem. Mm -hmm. So I have not necessarily gone into differentiating the doshas and uh, enabling people to choose food according to their doshas because that is a whole different a prescription of food as medicine based on the body types. And I have not gone into that detail in my book, Ayurvedic Reset Diet. What I have done is given very clear and easy to follow techniques that are grounded in Ayurveda. (laughs) So you have asked me a very good question. What are the major principles of Ayurvedic Reset Diet? There are three fundamental principles or three fundamental techniques that a person can engage in. The very first one is fasting on water and herb teas. That is the step one. The next step is a form of mono diet. One type of food eaten for all meals in a day for a different for a certain length of time. And the third part is combining of food 
in a smart way by knowing which food is compatible with which other food so that the foods aren't fighting in in our belly mm-hmm. so these are the three steps fasting mono diet smart food combining and on those three principles i have developed this plan for resetting our digestive system resetting our relationship with the food actually and can you give some examples of the smart food combining i think a lot of people just you know have no idea when they're creating meals or eating and um yeah i'm just curious like what are some kind of like highlights from okay that in my book i have devoted uh, parts of the book to describing what is known in ayurveda as viruddha aahara what that means it's a sanskrit word yasmin what that means is foods that are opposite to each other we do not combine them for example having scoops of ice cream with hot coffee so you are subjecting your oral cavity as well as your stomach with a very cold temperature food and a very hot temperature food at the same time mm-hmm. the another example that comes to mind is deep fried foods which have been uh, you know all our processed foods most of them can be for example potato chips it's deep fried mm-hmm. so the deep frying process creates changes in the chemical structure of oils and fats that is considered not suitable in ayurvedic plan of eating mm-hmm. so your question was um, how do we do smart combining of food the smart combining essentially enables us to choose food groups which go well together uh, one common example i will give you another common example um the traditional meal in the west is a nice portion of meat uh, along with a nice portion of potatoes very common most households engage in that both these foods they digest at different rates different speeds the meat takes much longer to digest and it sits around fermenting whereas carbohydrate the starch from potatoes it's very quick to go mm-hmm. so those are incompatible and in smart food combining we keep these two food groups as far as possible that's what i mean by smart combining fascinating um and then same with like the liquids same thing with liquids you do not mix very hot and very cold hmm mm-hmm. you do not eat yogurt with one spoon and have a chug of milk at the same time you do not do that those kind of basic rules and these are all grounded in ayurvedic principles of healthy food intake got it and um curious like uh what about the kind of no-nos like the ayurvedic you know absolute <laughs> no-nos are there any foods that are kind of maybe yeah situations where we should just completely avoid actually that this question is a gateway to the question about connection of doshas with food intake mm-hmm. it goes into the medical aspect of a food prescription 
So, if a person has a very strong vata, there will be some foods that will be contraindicated for them. Same thing if they have a very strong pitta, some food, some spices will be contraindicated for them. But like I mentioned to you before, I have not gone into that territory. I have stayed very clearly within the fasting, mono diet and smart food combining as a touchstone for Ayurvedic reset diet. Got it. Okay. And what about um, some of the other principles uh, outside of food, like in terms of rest and uh, sleep? Um, you know, what are some of the principles of Ayurveda when it comes to that? And also with seasonality and how that plays out. Mm-hmm. Okay. Seasonality is pretty simple. Uh, we we go with what is available locally. You know, you know Yasmin, farmer's market, it's a very good place to shop. Because the farmer, he harvests from wherever he's growing it and he brings it to the farmer's market table and you buy that. Mm -hmm. So obviously, if he's not, if he doesn't have a hothouse, he cannot grow mangoes in the winter. He cannot do that. Right. Mm -hmm. So if we stay with locally grown uh, farmer's market type of food purchase, we can pretty much sort out the seasonality pattern. I have gone into that in the book as well. Then you wanted to know about, um, you know, sleep, exercise, and so on. Uh, Actually, Ayurveda combines all of these into healthy living prescription, so to speak. So we, we go for a healthy amount of sleep and we avoid the midday naps, mid-morning naps, napping whenever we can, so so that we stay alert through our working day and have a good chunk of sleep at night. That comes from having a good place for exercise in our day-to-day life. So at least half an hour, at least 40 minutes of vigorous activity, physical activity, walking, swimming, whatever you can do, yoga, all of that combined, good exercise routine, good sleep routine, as well as good eating routine. All of those feed into a kind of a discipline about how you want to live your day-to-day life. Hmm. Does it make sense? Yes, yes, I love that. I think so many people, especially in like the kind of hustle of Western culture, are absolutely not uh, living by the Ayurvedic diet and principles. So, Vatsala, what are some of your favorite rituals? Uh, my favorite rituals are uh, one of that I learned right at my home when I was growing up. And that ritual was around um, worship of fire in the kitchen and asking fire to enable to cook food to the uh, to perfection. And that food is going to be consumed by the family as a group. So, uh, and the prayer that goes along with that is fire, please help cook this food properly. And food is considered to be a gift from uh, Goddess Annapurna in my culture. And we pray to Goddess Annapurna for her blessings, for her grace, so that the food that we consume is not just for enjoyment, for greed, for, uh, you know, having too much or 
we can afford too much so we must eat too much no so that the food which is blessed by goddess annapurna is actually our medicine we eat food to live a healthy life and we all eat together in a atmosphere of love and kindness to each other and so on so this is one of the rituals i have tried my best to keep up in my home in my personal life so meal time is considered very very sacred and we have a few little prayers to go with it and it it kind of uh, feels really good to know that we are not eating out of um greed there is no need for that we can eat according to what our body needs at that moment mm. <laughs> that's oh. my favorite ritual beautiful yeah the communal eating um is so lovely i think a lot of folks sometimes you know especially working at the computer oftentimes don't have time to even look at what they're eating <laughs> so yes. Yes. <laughs> what are some challenges we might have or have or what you've seen people have when starting this ayurvedic reset and um, you know this example that you gave yasmin that people are so busy they are not even looking at food what they are eating they are basically shoveling it into their mouth okay so uh, you know as a uh, actually my day to day job my day job is i am a homeopath okay and i have been studying since 2005 to become a homeopath and now i have a full fledged practice where i see people and they come for various complaints you know all kinds of complaints so in a homeopathic interview we always ask about what they like to eat and when they eat and how is their hunger how is their thirst it's a very common question set of questions that we ask them i ask them so in this years of working with people um uh, and they come to me for homeopathy i also hear their connection with food how, how they are relating to food in what way mm-hmm. so many times when they are describing their narrative their complaints it becomes very clear that they are kind of disconnected with their food and the example was you know not even look at food that is going in your mouth so i i made a study of that and try to understand from various walks of life how people re- relate to their food so this is a challenge that i have tried to tackle in my book and uh, it, there is a, a chapter on preparing for the ayurvedic reset diet and it begins on page 74 it goes into various steps like you know first of all um we come up with various reasons why we cannot change our habits uh-huh. and those reasons can be very convincing very very convincing so we come up with reasons for that and i've almost chided the readers come on get over it come on come up with something new that i cannot turn away from don't repeat the same excuses okay so those kind of things and then there are steps to go into so that the challenges become solvable if a person is saying you know i'm so busy that i mostly don't have time for lunch i will talk to them say you know what carve out time when you 
are sitting with your food and food only. Your cell phone is turned off, your TV is turned off, your newspaper is put away and your uh, radio is turned off. You are just sitting with your food. It will take you 15 minutes maybe at most to fill up your stomach. It don't need more than that. Don't need four hours. So can you try that? So these are the challenges that people do come up with and they talk to me about it and I have come up with a little solutions for them, little recommendations for them that I have gone into the book. Amazing. And what about some of the kind of daily go-to herbs or things that we should be taking per season? Um, and why do you suggest that? Okay. Uh, day-to-day go-to herbs, you know, the basic Ayurvedic cooking will involve garlic and ginger and very slight amount of chili pepper, cilantro, basil, cumin, mustard seeds, spices, and herbs. So uh, my favorite go-to in the winter is fresh basil. And when it's made into a mild tea, it is a decongestant for respiratory infections and it keeps the immunity way up. It's very healthy that way. So in the winter, my go-to is fresh basil. Then in the summer, for cleansing of liver and kidneys, cilantro, fresh cilantro is a very good herb and I am naturally drawn to that. And year round, some spices like turmeric, you'll use it year round. But fennel more in the winter month because fennel helps with the digestive process. So these are some of my favorites. Okay, wonderful. I it's funny because I drink fennel all year round, um, uh-huh. I, but it's predominantly for winter. Uh huh. What What about if you live in a climate that doesn't really have a lot of seasonality? Good question. Am I not based in Vermont, where there is winter? And then there are two stick seasons and a very brief summer of like four weeks. Uh So this question, it's amazing for me because I I experienced exactly what you're asking. When you live in a place where seasonality doesn't mean anything. Suppose in Vermont, okay, in winter we get our stash of apples. Fall um, harvest of apples, we eat through winters. Very practical, very grounded in the reality question. In that situation, we do the best with what we have. We don't fight with the weather. We don't pretend that um, it doesn't matter. No, weather is important. We do our best with what is available to us. For example, if a person who is an Eskimo living up way up on the northern circle, they obviously cannot be dreaming about green vegetables, can they? Mm-hmm. They have to go with what is available to them. So that level of flexibility we all have to have, that we work with what is available to us and we do our best in that frame. Got it. Okay. Cause yeah, cause I live in Los Angeles. So, um, you know, there's, I think less kind of the, less seasonality, let's put it that way. So, um, <laughs> it's like a perpetual, I guess, spring or summer sometimes. <laughs> yeah. 
So Vatsala, I'd love to learn about your journey and where you learn your philosophy from. Can you talk to us about your journey? Sure. Um, it goes back to being raised by my mom and dad in India, but that is where I was born. So uh, it never occurred to me that was anything special. In the sense, you know, we get up, we brush our teeth, we do our bathroom routine, we shower, we wear fresh clothes, we do our prayers together with the family as well as individually. Then there is a freshly cooked breakfast. We go to school, we come back, there is freshly cooked lunch, very simple food, couple of ingredients, couple of items on the menu, not a elaborate 36 items on the menu, simple food, and then simple dinner. And most of our vegetables grew in our own garden. We had a couple of cows from whom we collected milk, and it was not a lot, but enough for the family. And we, our fruits grew in our garden, our vegetables grew in our garden, and we purchased our grains from the stores, grains and oil and so on, we purchased what stands out is that this was a this this lifestyle was before the word organic the word natural local and those fashionable 10 dollar words weren't around we hadn't heard of them we only ate what grew in our garden basically and the garden was a little patch of dirt in the front of the kitchen so mom is cooking we go to the garden we harvest we bring it to her and she cooks it that was the life and abundant food year round because india is a warm country abundant abundant fruits and vegetables year round and mom knew the simple recipes but what stands out is in the childhood there were we were we also had lots of festivals when there will be a lot of festival-specific special foods and treats. So when we have special festivals, we are having a good time having lovely festival foods and eating till our stomach is aching. And mom wouldn't say anything. You know, once in a year you have Diwali, you go ahead and enjoy. Have your food related to Diwali. But after that, if there is a little bit of tummy upset, she put us on fast. Okay, one day of water only. Another day, if the stomach is not settled yet, she'll give us herb teas. And after that, once the stomach settles down, she will start us on simple to digest food of small portions. Okay, so I I saw her doing that and it didn't sound anything rocket science. Like that's the way we live. It's so, oh, no, nothing. That's my life. That's how we live. It didn't sound anything special or philosophical or Ayurvedic or anything like that. Then I came to U.S. in 1996. I got married and with my husband, I came to the U.S. What I saw here, that was in sharp contrast with how I had grown up, Yasmin. It was like day and night. So that's when as an adult, I started researching, I started thinking. So what was that? What was that experience of growing in that household and eating from your garden and not having ever seen a packaged food? We never bought, we never saw packaged food, okay? So I started researching and reading and learning 
to investigate the philosophy of life that we were subjected to in india without being told these were any big philosophies these are just day to day life okay so then i got into ayurveda and i educated myself to say okay mother followed a certain dietary principles they followed farm to table for example from the garden to the kitchen there was no refrigerator okay so that growing up what seemed completely natural and normal to me at that time subsequently on further investigation turned out to be deeply entrenched deeply and truthfully grounded in the principles of ayurveda that my mother had learned from her mother and her mother had learned from her mother because my mom didn't go to a ayurveda medical school she just knew what to do she treated us at home with ayurvedic herbs and medications because she knew it from her mom so then i started studying and understanding that philosophy of life which connects uh, health to diet exercise sleep breathing healthy thoughts in your mind all those principles are indeed grounded in ayurveda so mm. that is the philosophy you can say that was my dowry from india oh i love that i love that um so beautiful and uh, you know why do you think that this subject is important and like why did you dedicate so much of your life to this uh, you know uh, yasmin uh, ask uh, you do a survey okay hire a survey company and uh, the survey company will call at the dinner time at 6 pm and say can i ask you a question in a very high tone and the simple question is do you want to be sick or do you want to be healthy just that one question and see what the survey results come everyone but everyone who has a human body will say we want to be healthy Uh-huh. health is the top most do you want a diamond earring do you want a silk sari do you want to party do you want to go swimming in the ocean above everything else i just want to be healthy that's the one desire all human beings in all cultures in all countries all over the world have it had it and will have it we want to be healthy uh-huh. health can be achieved in various ways but ayurveda gives a holistic human centric approach it considers human beings as a totality of their entire life experience their entire habits so ayurveda suggests healthy habits so why i got so deep into ayurvedic principles and wrote this book ayurvedic reset diet is to help people in their pursuit of good health you know the american dream is pursuit of uh, happiness i add to that pursuit of good health can we achieve that dream can we achieve that goal and make it our day to day reality and can ayurveda with its simple principles enable a man on the street a woman on the street to access simple principles that will help her stay healthy stay grounded that was my 
driving motivation for this research and for writing this book to be able to help people. Mm. Love that. Yeah, that's, um, I think the big question uh, in life is how do we, you know, how do we move through this world and really be truly healthy on every level? So I, I love that you've dedicated your life to this, to this work. Um, Fatsala, what are some stories uh, from clients who you've worked with who've dramatically, you know, changed their life by implementing these principles? Yeah, I'll tell you that one. This is a juicy story as as far as stories go, okay? So I was a new practitioner with all the insecurities that come to a new practitioner, okay? New practitioner of homeopathy. I just graduated. I just hung my shingle on the lawn. Very first client who comes in. Uh, Now, I do want to apologize for sounding a bit smug in the sense that to even describe a person as she was obese. I don't want to hurt anybody's feeling, but this is a simple observation that I had. This person came to my office, to my practice, uh, asking for help for, uh, you know, chronic fatigue syndrome. That's the diagnosis the doctor had given her. Uh, You have chronic fatigue syndrome. Okay. So she came to me. I had just started my practice. And she said, I I just want to try. Maybe you have something you can tell me. Uh, I just have this uh, problem. So as the homeopaths do, I started talking to her and found out all her uh, background information and so on with regards to her wellness. And then question turned to food. So she she very honestly, she described me what she ate through the day. So her breakfast, her lunch, her dinner, and her snacks. Um, it's given in a graphic detail in the book. Mm-hmm. And a couple of times, I've also presented um, webinars where I kind of uh, made pictures of the food groups that she was engaged in. So the typically... Her meals consisted, no matter it is breakfast, lunch or dinner, it consisted of eggs, meat, bread, uh, snack foods, cookies, chips and so on, uh, jerkies and dry meats and spicy meats and some more meat, completely meat and bread. That's what she was going on for and she would have tubs of ice cream, not two scoops, she'll have a full tub and she'll have a full bar of chocolate, sorry. So that was enormous amount of food with no fruits, no vegetables, no water. There was not ever a mention of water. What do you drink when you feel thirsty? I drink cold coffee. What do you drink when uh, you really want to kind of um, soften the food that you've eaten. If you are constipated, what do you drink? I have some more of coffee. So that was her meal plan. Now, this person is talking to me and I'm kind of listening. Okay, this is what you eat. And then she was heavily into diet Coke, diet soda. She said that helps me keep my weight down. That was her understanding but her weight was not managed well so I heard this person and I said okay I can give her a remedy 
and send her home. I did my job as a homeopath. She came to me for homeopathy and I give her a remedy. I send her home. I'm done. But then in homeopathy, there is a uh, philosophy, basic philosophy, which is maintaining cause. And when there is a maintaining cause, in her case, bad food intake, okay, there is, it was atrocious that food could kill a person. She only got uh, chronic fatigue syndrome food, okay? So that was a lethal food what she was eating. Uh, that is the maintaining cause of her problems. So if I give her even the best chosen remedies, they will only do so much. And the rap will be homeopathy doesn't work, okay? So I had a talk with her. I said, look, madam, um, there is something to be done about your food habits. Would you be inclined for receiving a few suggestions from me? Uh, she said, okay, what is it? And so on. And But before she said that, she... I also I also told her just giving you remedy is not going to help you. You need to change the way you eat. She said, let me think about it. And off she goes. Okay. She didn't take the remedy. She didn't ask me any questions. She went home. I said, oh, boo, I lost my client. Boo. Okay. First one in the door and first one out the door. I'm never going to see her again. Okay. So that was in the beginning. But what happened? A couple of weeks later, she came back. She said, you know, you were telling me, you will tell me something about food. What is it you have to say? So I started working with her and I went step by step, educating her about the seasonality, about fasting, about mono diet, about diet combining and so on. And her chronic fatigue syndrome went away. Many of her digestive complaints and uh, went away. Her weight came down. She became much more healthier and much more vital in her being. And then I started her with the homeopathic remedies as well. Mm -hmm. So this particular incidence, it really sticks, uh, sticks out. It stands out for me as a, you know, like it was, I lost that client, but then she came back because she was curious about it. She was interested to take charge of her life by way of, modifying her relationship with food she was open to the idea and this is kind of inspiring for me that people are actually open for new ideas they want to be healthy they want to try various things they just have to click with the right approach and they're going to be fine hmm. Beautiful. I love, I love the story. That's amazing. And just how much you can change someone's life by implementing these principles. Um, so Vatsala, uh, we're coming at time, but I, I wanted to ask, you know, what sort of things have surprised you the most on this journey? What has surprised me is that uh, people get into a pattern of eating um, various foods and they consider that normal and they consider that that is their food habit and anything outside of that is foreign. Mm -hmm. That surprises me. But at the same time, while I'm telling you this, people who are very stuck with that uh, diet plan, sometimes they want to 
take charge they want to take the initiative they want to learn they the book is born out of my clients desires to change their life change their relationship with the food okay so that is what surprises me most that while we have some people who are completely stuck with their habits there are many more who are eager who are curious to change to bring change in their lives which will enable them to remain healthy mm. oh beautiful i love that yeah it's so funny we just are conditioned to believe that whatever we're eating is normal and anything outside of that is foreign i just i love that so much cuz it yeah i think i think it's hard for human beings to change but also we're open um so, so vatsala what where can people find you are there any resources that you can point folks to in, in order to learn more about you and your work obviously this book just came out uh-huh. uh, this book uh, ayurvedic reset diet it came out last year it's uh, doing its uh, uh, it's walking through people and it's finding people who find it valuable this is a good book then another book that i had read in 1998 way back uh, written by harish johari and he had written a book on dhanvantari a life of balance uh, no complete guide to ayurvedic life i had read that in 1998 now harish johari also had learned ayurveda from his parents not from a ayurvedic medical school so these are like books based in the tradition that he learned i learned from my parents basically by living a life mm-hmm. so these are some practical books to go to and then uh, to find some more of my work the website is www.rochesterhomeopathy.com where all my publications are listed and they are mainly in homeopathy but gives an idea about the type of work that i do hmm. amazing amazing um and thank you so much for your time vatsala i'm i have so many more questions uh but folks can check out your book and check out all the resources that you have online yeah. uh thank you so much vatsala yasmin it has been such a joy talking to you because you're you're interested in this subject you asked some wonderful questions i really appreciate it and i enjoyed my time talking with you thank oh. you so much oh thank you so much thank you and for our audience thanks for joining and for listening in this episode we learned about the ayurvedic reset principles and you can tune in to gateways to awakening where we host one-on-one conversations with leading experts in wellness well-being and spirituality thanks again